Welcome to Dyslexics Wanted, produced by the Web Innovation Center for Dyslexia. This is Jordan Rich. This podcast celebrates the unique strengths and creativity so often the hallmark of people with dyslexia. Hello, I'm Jordan Rich. Today's guest is Barry Weiner, and he's very much indebted to the late Dr. Gertrude Webb, who developed the program for assisted learning at Curry College in Milton, Massachusetts. That program, addressing his educational and social needs, did indeed set this man's life on the right course. Barry has helped produce several Hollywood projects, including documentaries and feature films. For a time, he had a successful career in real estate, working out of New York, Baltimore, the Cayman Islands, and the Bahamas. He's currently working on projects to address the mental health crisis that, as he points out, continues to mutate and worsen during the pandemic. He's got boundless energy and creativity, as you're about to find out. In setting up today's podcast, Barry and I have had a chance to chat, and we've been bonding for all kinds of reasons. And as we welcome you to the podcast, I've got to say, you are quite the accomplished gentleman, my friend. You would you would never know it by, by my lifestyle. You, you would think that I was a complete liar because uh, I try and get most of my work done when I don't do anything. It seems to be when I'm the most productive, when I, you know, allow myself to kind of hmm. put the phone down and get into the woods and go hiking and really connect with nature has been a real godsend for me. And I just, Jordan, want to say what an honor it is. I'm somewhat of a recluse. So talking to me, it's like, you know, I was at PAL for three years, then went to the master's program for a year full time with Dr. Webb. And um, my best, I'm in Boston right now, watching the snow, waiting for the snow to come down so I can talk talk to New Englanders, New Englanders about the weather and how much they hate it. Hmm. So I love doing that. And um, it's just great to be on the phone with you, talking to you um, about people that I'm still very connected with. Dr. Webb, uh, her voice is in my head all the time. And it was a real turning point for me. And my two best friends to this day are, are from the My Pal group. And um, I'm still in very close contact with Joe Arsenal and now in contact with Heidi and hopefully Sam and this great family that um, that I miss. And that it's just such an honor to be on the phone with you. It's lovely to have you here, too. And, and Heidi, highly recommended we speak. She thinks the world of you. And Barry, before we get to... What you're up to now, let's take a, a step back before Curry and before the PAL program and before you found some sense of uh, belonging there. Uh, childhood, let's talk a little bit about what that was like with any of the situations that you faced. Well, I, you know, I've been thinking about what I was going to share with you. and I was thinking about, you know, coming from an entertainment family, I'm always interested in who my audience is. So I feel like I know my audience so well. Um my childhood was was very mixed. It was um, I came from uh, you know a family of overachievers, and I um, uh, really struggled. Um, I, I think I had a, I think my father and I have some form of Aspergers, um, but really struggled to be able to communicate with other people. I think that was my biggest hurdle, and uh, I. Um, in my second grade, I think it, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story first. Um, so my dad is one of the top attorneys in the world, very successful, Arnold Wiener, 
and um, even in his, when he was in his 30s, he was on the front page of the, of the Baltimore Sun every day. He represented Governor Mandela of Maryland. And uh, I was five years old, Jordan, and there was a kid, these kids, and the older kids in the, in the neighborhood, and they said, we want you to go down on your street where you live on the newly paved street in the yellow yellow line and walk down with your pants down to your ankles down the street and we're going to give you like seven bags of candy we have right here. So I, you know, four or five years old, you know, proud as could be, walk out in the middle of the street mm. and walk down, Jordan, the middle of the street with my pants down to my ankles. You must have really had a and sweet tooth back then. <laughs> <laughs> My dad gets a call from one of the neighbors that he doesn't like. Yeah. And says, you know, your son's in the middle of the road with his pants on walking down the middle of the street of a newly paved road. So I remember walking in, Jordan, to the bedroom and feeling shame for the first time in my life. And look, my dad looking out the window and seeing who the hell, what, what did I end up with? Who the hell is this kid? Mm. They're calling my son. And, um, and, and it was just a... It was a turning point for me because I realized how different I was, that mm. I really didn't fit in. And as a result, I went to a special school or a special program at a public school in Baltimore County where one of the teachers was a former nun. And she took all the kids who had LD or were kind of in that category, and we had her for two years. And... If you couldn't pay attention, George, she would come up behind you and she would grab your throat and start choking it. Oh. Now, I remember this so distinctly because the guy next to me, Scott something, when he was being choked, he started turning red and purple. And then Pete, he started uh, urinating. And um, I was, you know, I was a six, seven-year-old kid. and I kept moving my desk away from the puddle, which, you know, eminently... Mm took over my, you know, part of where I was, was, was sitting. And I'll never forget those experiences. Um, hmm. And I think that she meant well. I think she was, you know, in a, about his senility. And I think that she was, a, you know, a good person, but she was at a point in her life where she probably shouldn't have been teaching and she had crossed the line um, in many ways. Well, so that was my experience. That was my first experience with education. Yeah. Interesting that you talk about two examples of childhood trauma, in a sense. Uh, three, if you count just the overall experiences with your, your parents. But the first one was kids taunting and bullying. The second one was uh, a teacher obviously out of sorts and not meaning to destroy the classroom experience for kids, but it happened nonetheless. Like many of the people we've interviewed, you were up against it societally at that point. Yeah, I you know, I... I think my family, like many others, had mental illness. I know my, my grade A committed suicide when her child had cerebral palsy and she couldn't um, provide for her. And I know that, you know, my first cousin has schizophrenia. And I know that so many people, especially right now, you know, struggle with mental health. You know, I compare the mental health, the, the, the pandemic, you know, there's also a mental health pandemic. Mm. And it's mutating along with, this pandemic and um you know we're my, my you know it's just uh we're at a point where everything that i'm doing right now all my businesses are focusing on children and mental health 
And I just want to jump away from my. I'm kind of a random access to you guys, so just bear with me. <laughs> That's fine. But, That's uh, fine. One of the. Well, anyway, uh, let me, I'll, I'll go back. So I went to public school and didn't have a clue. Our special ed teacher was an alcoholic. He was very rarely in the reading room. Mm. I found that out later in life. And I went to a private school uh, in seventh grade. Most people said I should have gone to Gemesee, which is a school in Baltimore. Baltimore has amazing schools, and that's where I'm from, Baltimore, Maryland. And um, at that point, my dad thought it would be better for me to go to Park School, which is an incredible uh, school that's been around for quite some time in Baltimore County. And had a great experience, was a great athlete, um, was very popular on the outside, worked with a DJ, you know, was very outgoing. Um, you know, my family was very successful and was miserable, was absolutely miserable. Hmm. And I wanted to die. Um, and I tried to find ways, you know, you know, um, I became kind of an adventurer. Um, and so... Uh, our school had an outward bound course. I ended up going to Alaska and glacier climbing. And I was just kind of on the edge. I was a triathlete. I'd go out for seven, eight, ten hours. I was training in Marblehead. I'd go out during storms, major storms, and go swimming. I was a great swimmer, but just on that mm-hmm. edge, didn't mm-hmm. want to live. Right. Until I came to Curry. What actually attracted you? Uh, how did you find out about the Curry PAL program, Program for Assisted Learning, it was called back then? Was it a college counselor? Was it a, a brochure? I think it was. Okay. Yeah, I think it was. It was one of two at the time, which is 1981. And so it was one of two of the time that um, Colorado State, I think, had a program as well. In general, the tone that was set at Curry at the PAL program how different was that from anything you'd experienced prior? It was, you know, so much of what I think Dr. Webb does, you know, is like I had to suspend my disbelief. I didn't believe I should go to college. You know, I, I didn't want to be there. You know, I was just there because my parents wanted me to be there. Mm. And I promised them I would give it a try. But I didn't want to be there. And I remember walking into the room and talking to Dr. Webb. And I remember exactly what she said or what she meant. And she just, for one minute, she just wanted me to, you know, suspend my disbelief, which is a motif in business and in my life. And it started right there with Dr. Webb. Mm. You know, just for one second. Mm. Yeah, Believe it, that you could do anything you want, Jordan. Yeah. That you could do anything just for one second. Believe that everything you've been told and taught about education is a lie. Just for one second, believe that you can do it, that you can make it, and I will show you the way. And that's what she did. Mm. We can hear the emotion in your voice. It's a turning point in your life and the lives of so many when they're finally accepted. And that's where you shine as a creative force. Somewhere between Harry Potter and X-Men, right? (laughs) I love that. Well, let's talk right. a little bit about movies and, and television and producing and all this kind of stuff. Uh, you mentioned that you were a born performer. Do you like being in front or behind the scenes more so? What's your what's your fave? Well, I, you know, after Curry, I went to Curry for three years. I was in the PAL program. I probably never should have left Curry. And I went to Emerson. I took night, night classes at Emerson. And it just opened up a whole new world for me. You know, I, 
when I was a kid, filmmaking was like storytelling. Like it was the one place I felt connected. Like I didn't never felt connected. You know, my processing. You know, if you look at my test scores, my processing is very very low. It's it's just not even. It's you know it's very different than most people. And that's actually become an advantage for me as well, too, in business. Um, but when I went to Curry, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to become a filmmaker because I wanted to tell great stories. Because that's what connected me to the world was film. Was you know, mm. you could go into a movie theater, right, and you come out a different person. Like if you saw Shawshank or something that was meaningful, it could change you. You know, and I felt like it changed me, and I wanted to share it in that experience. So I was somewhat idealistic when I went to Emerson. Um, I had an unbelievable experience there, and I met, you know, President Warner Brothers' son, and, you know, I, you know, went to Cheers and had a date with Rodney Dangerfield's daughter, uh, <laughs> Melanie, wow. who, you know, which was so iconic for me, and then later on had a, uh, a, a dinner with Woody Harrelson and his wife in a wine cellar in Baltimore, Black Olive. Um, where he was a partner with one of my best friends, business partner. And just the ride has just been incredible because I started at Curry and it gave me the confidence, mm. you know. Um, and I, I'm not, I don't consider myself successful because my definition of success has changed so much since Curry, you know. And for me, Jordan, the real takeaway for Curry and Dr. Webb and Joe Arsenal, who is still one of my closest friends and dear teachers to this day. The big takeaway for me is be yourself. Be true to yourself. And do what you love. You know, and if you're going to make mistakes in life, make sure they're your mistakes, not someone else's. Because they're not really mistakes. If you're really into what you're doing, you're going to learn and grow and it's going to springboard you to the next piece of what you do. Mm. And that's what, you know, when I think of the people that I've met who have been around, Mother Teresa, Yo-Yo Ma, you know, Oprah, you know, growing up and having Oprah come over for the Jewish holidays, you know, I've been so lucky. So for me, gratitude and grace is everything. And not having any expectations, about any relationships, including my, you know, my daughter who's 13 years old is one of my greatest teachers. And I call her my little Buddha. <laughs> right? I love my that. My little Buddha. I love that. Yeah, I mean, she calls, she's, four, she's 13, Jordan, she calls me, looks at me like, mm-hmm, like, I'm like, okay, okay. Right, like, right. She I... knows, she knows. Right. I've got the same the same situation uh, from my kids earlier on, and now my grandkids. It's it's amazing. Uh, oh. I do have a follow up question though, and and uh, this is sure. I'm sorry. No, no, not at all. Uh, a follow up yeah. to what you said earlier about the process that you uh, exhibit, that you employ in learning and in in developing your own path, uh, has helped you in business. Has made it easier for you to do business or more productive. This podcast is all about celebrating the uh, the creative spark and the essence of people well beyond their learning issues. What What is it that's made you more successful, do you think? I, I think understanding my trauma, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and understanding other people's trauma and studying, learning about trauma. And this goes back to the work that Joe and Pal was doing. I don't know if it was Pal, but Joe 
an extension of Powell, which is Joe was doing in the in the in the, uh, the jails, the work with, uh, uh, with 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 people in the jails, mm-hmm. and it goes back to like I think trying to be a good person, you know. And I remember there was this interview that Muhammad Ali had with you know when he was very young, and, and forty years later it was some very conservative interviewer, and forty years later he says. You know, it was that interview where Muhammad Ali was talking about God. Like, he was, like, trying to, like, kind of dissemble what Muhammad Ali was saying. And Muhammad Ali just looked in his eyes and said, I believe in God, do you? And I'm like, whoa. You know, and I think that, you know, believing in a higher self, believing in something. But before I went to Curry, I was so out of my body that I wanted to, like, just destroy myself. Hmm. What I've learned to do is I do a lot of exercise. I was a personal trainer. I was a triathlon. I was an athlete. But now I do a lot of yoga and stretching and walking and running in the woods. And it really gets me back to myself because I think from what I've seen, I've been doing a lot of traveling lately and actually visiting a lot of my friends who are former PAL students, and they still have the trauma, Jordan. I'm like, I see what sets them off sometimes. It's like if their daughter doesn't, you know, think they're doing something right, it just, it taps into a whole, like, rabbit hole or menagerie mm-hmm. of what you were, not what you are. So when I lived near Hopkins University, one of my dear friends is studying trauma in worms, Jordan. Mm-hmm. In worms. Multi-generational trauma in worms. You know? uh, and, uh, yeah. and so trauma is real, and so when you understand it, like, now, like, especially now, when people, like, go off, you know what I mean? Like, I'm 6'4", I'm a big guy, and, like, when people go off, I just, I try to understand where they're coming from now. Because when I, like, I do a lot of building and everything, like, when I build stuff, most of the problems are in a perspective that you can't see. So if you just turn and just look, oh, there was something up there, another problem that you didn't see. Mm-hmm. So when I was a teacher and educational consultant, I worked with some of the most the kids that nobody wanted to work with in Washington D.C. The kids, the people were done with, parents were done with. And I would take what I learned at Curry and through Dr. Webb, and I would just try and find something that they were interested in and spark an interest in them. And through that connection, I would work with the parents and try and help them develop a new relationship with their children wow. and to see things cool. a little differently and try and work together. And I think that was really, you know, something I learned at Powell is that, you know, so many, Jordan, so many families are struggling right now, right? And, but it's also, you know, an opportunity for families to come together um, because we're in the same house. We're, you know, we're having to deal with each other. I'd like to round things up with your call to arms, as you said to me in an email, about the mental health crisis and uh, the fact that we're not paying as much attention as we should to it in the midst of the pandemic. Just just give us your sense as to what is happening and what we need to address, what we need to do about it. I'm a, I'm a researcher at heart. You know, I, I, I love algorithms, data sets, and, you know, I love talking to the smartest people in the world. And, you know, I, when I, you know, I lost a lot of money in 2013-14, a lot of money. And I really had to reset my whole business. So I got rid of 90% of my Rolodex and just focused on 10% of the, the smartest people I know. And I've been talking to the smartest people I know about 
this. And one of the words that came up, Jordan, was zoonic. Zoonic has to do with diseases that you can catch from another species. Uh. So that's how the virus started, they think, was in this open markets. With that. And I'm a real um, environmentalist, and um, I believe in uh, that, you know, our food, like my daughter has ulcerous colitis, and there's a whole food thing going on that we could talk about some other podcasts. But anyway, to your connection, I think that we need to wake up and see this virus as indicative of much bigger problems that we have, which is overpopulation. How do we create a sustainable local uh, markets where it won't, you know, what, what, you know, what are our kids, what are we going to tell our kids, kids, kids? They're going to say, what did you, did you guys, I mean, you guys didn't wake up. Like, look what you, look what you left us with. And I think that um, right now with the virus, with the government, with all the political stuff that's going with the economy, the world is struggling to reset itself, right? You know, you see what's going on in China with all the control, and um, it's horrible what's going on in China. And it's horrible where all these big governments, and I've done a lot of business in China. I love the Chinese people. Love them. But I don't love the Chinese government. And a lot of entrepreneurs that I've worked with are no longer entrepreneurs because they were so successful. One of them was the developer of the Ferrari theme park Mm. in Dubai. Mm Mm-hmm. Not doing what he was doing before because he got too big. And yeah, the government started clamped exactly. down. Right, right. So I think the world, and, and this is why, I, I, you know, so much of what I'm focusing on is with young people, is about to reset itself. And, that uh, you know, we're just coming out of the dark ages. And, you know, I'm not, I don't, let's have a conversation. Stop blaming each other. We, there's so much in our DNA. There's so much about us that we don't understand. And I just think that, we all need to come together for the world that we're going to leave to our children and our children's children is not going to be sustainable. It's interesting, yeah. too, Barry, that uh, you would think that with what's going on worldwide, an, an experience that none of us could have ever imagined, everyone sort of in a similar boat, same river, different boats, that this would have been an easier task to come together. Greatest country in the world. In real time, we couldn't move. Our education system, our health care system, I've done a lot of stuff in these two uh, sectors, education, health care, penal system, justice system. All these systems are antiquated. Mm-hmm. All these cities, all the, you know, it's, everything is falling apart. And I asked my father, I said, Dad, Baltimore City, look at these problems. So, you know, he goes, you know what he says, George? He said, mm-hmm. I said, what do we do about these problems? You know, with the social inequities, which is what Dr. Webb and Joe Arsenal and Marie Murphy taught me about what is the what is the existential questions we need to be asking ourselves right now Jordan? as you know and, yeah. and and is this pandemic a sign symptomatic of something well i think coming down the yeah road? i think you you are the kind of guy who uh, we need to listen to and and you can engage with other people as you do regularly i know you said you were a recluse. I, I find that hard to believe. You may not be uh, on social media every second, as many people are, but you are a good communicator. And one of the things that impresses me about you, and I've only met you on the phone a couple of times, is that you are, you're passionate, you're authentic, and uh, you know exactly where you want to go. And I really appreciate that. And I think our 
listeners do as well. Jordan, thank you. And I'm not good with compliments, um, so I apologize if I seem to dismiss your compliments because I've been told by my close friends that I do that. In business, whenever I hear a compliment, I get skeptical. So, <laughs> uh, it's, business has taken its toll on me. Understood. So I apologize Understood. For no not problem. Not being more polite. Um, Doodle Town. Um, I came up with a, you know, in one of my darkest hours when I lost all my money and I was thinking about my experience, I came up with a, a story and I want to share it with you. And uh, there are very prominent people in uh, who've, who've really uh, helped me with this project. So, it's about a girl in school and she can't read. And like so many of us, you know, all the kids are laughing at her. She's been called on. And a tear rolls down her cheek and falls onto the page she's trying to read. And through the tear, Jordan, she sees these two doodles pushing and pulling the letters to help her read. So like in Alice in Wonderland or Wizard of Oz, she follows the doodles back to Doodle Town, where she has all these adventures. And the Doodles are the co-creators of every great idea that's ever existed. They come into the real world through a magical waterfall and help co-create. Like when Benjamin Franklin discovered uh, electricity using a kite, there would be a doodle flying this key into the uh, lightning. And I created this world um, of characters that um, all came from this tier. And I think that this moment that we have, you know, that we all share this tear. And I think that what I've learned to try and do is to take this tear and to make something magical and special out of it. So, Jordan, I just wanted to thank you for this opportunity. And um, I hope that uh, we can do this again. And uh, I hope hopefully we can get to know each other because I feel the same way about you. I really have been impressed with who you are and what you're doing. And I just wanted to thank you. Our thanks once again to Barry Weiner, another shining example of someone who, despite learning differences, has achieved great success. And thanks for listening to Dyslexics Wanted. Please feel free to contact us at our new web address, dyslexicswanted.org. That's dyslexicswanted.org. We welcome guest or topic suggestions. We want to share your story. Dyslexics Wanted is a production of the Web Innovation Center for Dyslexia.